Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. New series, as Pastor Amy has said, and uh, here's what I'm going to do as we start today. I want to ask you to take all of your knowledge, your thoughts, your hopes about who God is, the good things he's done for you, the things you wish he would do for you, uh, the needs you have of him right now, everything. And I want you to see the verses we're going to talk about today with new eyes. Okay? Um, you know, God will never stop speaking to me in the same verses of his word. I'm amazed. Hundreds. Some of the verses I've read, hundreds, probably even into the thousands of times in my life. And still, there is, there's fresh bread there when you go to read. There's a new application. It is absolutely amazing to me, the miraculous power of the word of God. And so um, one of the things that holds us back is that we become dogmatic, we become liturgical in our opinions of what Scripture says. And uh, I love, Pastor Robert Morris shares in uh, one of his messages, and probably more than once, but talking with men of God, leaders who have read through Scripture with him and then said, you know, I never noticed that before. Guys, that's the reality. When we read God's Word and we let the Holy Spirit teach us through His Word, there will be revelation for today for what you're facing. God's Word is living. It's, it is alive and it wants to speak to us. And that's why we love it. And that's why we honor it um, as followers of Jesus. So let's ask him, would you stand with me? And uh, rather than pray at the end of the service, well, we still will. But I want to do our end of service prayer at the beginning of service today. Uh, because I think it will prepare our hearts. And so we'll do this, uh, we'll do this the old-fashioned uh, evangelical altar call way. Where I'll say a few words and you just repeat after me. Is that cool with everybody? It makes it simple. Uh, oh, hey, they put it up. So you can still repeat after me because I'm, I'm in it this far now. You know what I'm saying, Ben? We're in it this far. We're going to do what I said. Okay. Uh, let's, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Please, give please give me new eyes to see the Word of God. Give me new ears to hear the voice of my Father in heaven. Give me grace to discover who you are once again. And everybody can say amen. Man, kids, two years of camp, or a year of camp missing, and you guys all forgot how to say amen. What happened? Used to be when kids, that's right, used, let's try that again. Well, the prayer, 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 end, and now we got to say amen. Ready? How do we do it? Amen! That was pretty good. Pretty good. Guys, don't let COVID kill your amen. Come on, kids. Don't let, don't let it happen. Amen means let it be. That's why we say it at the end of our prayers. All right. Most often when we talk about baptism, we think about water, right? I mean, I say baptism, you probably think water. Or wetness or whatever. The essence of wetness. That's a Zoolander reference, which I shouldn't admit that I know. Um, but it, it is. Water is the essence of wetness. Um, <laughs> it's such a funny line, though. All right. Water is the necessity for baptism. Um, yes and no, because there's three. And we're going to talk about that over the next three weeks. And today I'm going to try to cover the three in an introductory fashion because they really are intertwined and related to one another. Um, and when we talk about baptism, often in your, in your doctrine or the liturgy you were raised in, you probably think of water and probably not a whole lot more than water. Uh, but there is more to it than water. 
Um, and uh, if you actually take it to the second step, it might be baptism, well, water, are you saved or not saved, depending on whether you've been baptized. Uh, that's a discussion that's been had in the evangelical church for many years, and it's a ridiculous discussion, just so you know. Um, we, we hardly even pay that one attention. Um, and, uh, you know, you might, you might take it one or two steps farther than that, but here's what I'll tell you. I think that uh, baptism and immersion go hand in hand in everything God does. I think God wants to fully immerse us in his word. God wants to immerse us in his grace. God wants to fully immerse us in his peace, in his healing, in his goodness. I mean, God wants us to be all in, right? Uh, we've often said, oh, that's cute. You think only, God only wants 10% of your money. Like, that's cute. God wants all your money. God wants all of you. He wants everything you have your hand in. Uh, because he can do something better with it than you can. So you should let him. Uh, take it from me. I know I've learned the hard way and the right way. Um, so there are actually three baptisms that we're going to talk about. And they're all significant in the making of a Christ follower. So the problem is, when we don't honor, we don't expect or understand or let our doctrine encompass three baptisms, uh, we are actually missing out on a great deal of what God has to say to us. And that is because God himself reveals who he is in three persons. Three is an important number in the Bible, if you didn't know. So is seven, um, so is a thousand. I mean, there's lots of important numbers in the Bible. The book of Numbers is important in the Bible. Uh, so, so numbers are what they are. But there are certain themes and certain repetitions we see that whenever we encounter those, we should be like, oh, wait a second. God usually speaks to us in three positions. And he does. He speaks to us as, as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And each member of that trinity, being holy God, being one as God, are revealed in these three individual inseparable persons and uh, they actually each have a purpose in God's will that carry uh, a certain part of God's relationship for us and with us. And so that's why it's so important to understand what we're talking about today. So God reveals himself, of course, as eternal father, eternal son who became flesh. Okay, that's the side note that Jesus, Jesus has always been the eternal son. In that, in that the Bible says he has no beginning. Um, so he is the eternal son, but he is, the, he is the part of God that came, Emmanuel, that came God in the flesh. God came as one of us. And then we have God the Holy Spirit, eternal God, the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God is not an invention of God either. The Spirit of God has always been uh, God. With God, He's always been a part of a part of the oneness of God, and I understand that it gets a little bit confusing. But I want to point out to you that it shouldn't be confusing, since you and I are made in His image, and because we're made in His image, we should be able to understand and relate. Ed Deeth, you are one person, are you not? But are you aware, Ed, my friend, that you were made up of three different parts? You, you now you are. <laughs> I know because you've sat in the second row from the front under this great anointing in this church, right? No. Ed's smart. That's how he knows. Um, what are we made of? Well, we're made in the image of God. Well, what is the image of God? God revealed in three persons. That's the image of God. And so if we're made in his image, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that we ourselves are made up in three parts. Well, Pastor Trapp, how are we made up in three parts, yet we are one person? Well, it's actually very simple, my friend, and I'm happy to tell you about it today. When there is a twinkle in a daddy's eye and a mummy's eye... <laughs> A baby can sometimes be the result. 
Kids, you can ask your parents about that. I am not authorized by my wife or probably your parents to give you this talk at church. Or ever, actually, because I'm just too honest about some things, all right? Um, it's not that I'm too honest. It's just that my, my truth is not appropriate. I don't know what to say about that. Uh, I know, I'm going to try to backpedal now, but backpedaling can be hard when the hill is steep. Um, so here's the reality. When a human being is formed in the womb, something miraculous happens, right? The twinkle in the eye, that's, hopefully that's the truth. I mean, I, I think that God's heart for us is that children are born out of love in covenant. Now, we understand that we're in a fallen world. That is absolutely not always the case, but that doesn't make a life less valuable. I'm going to throw in a little bit of, of, of pro-life. I can't help it. I'm a pro-lifer too, just like I hope you are. Um, but babies being made, and, and we don't quite understand when spirit happens. But it does happen. In that you are a spirit being, and the scriptures teach us that we, we are spirit as well, that we have a spirit. But science can't tell us where spirit fits in. The other parts it can, but, but not spirit. And, and so I'm going to say, because we, we need to have a starting point, so let's just make it the start of a human life. When a sperm and egg come together, something miraculous happens, all that information is there, and we have life. Amazing, wonderful, beautiful life. I believe, from the counsel of God's word, that is where your spirit begins. Okay? Um, there are other doctrines about that. I, I'm not worried about that. This is, this is not essential in, a, in an exact sense. Um, so the moment, the moment that you become, you, you are. Sperm and egg meat, there, there you are. You're a spirit. But you are not yet formed and you are not yet cognizant or aware, okay? But, but then this amazing thing begins to happen. A body begins to form. And in a little over nine months, it, two cells become an entire human being that is very complete and even looks like one or both of its parents usually. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? And we have lots of babies coming in, in this church all the time, and, and we get to enjoy that miracle. And I love that we have so many young families, and we get to see so many babies, because it's a testament to the goodness of God. Uh, but this amazing thing happens, right? So we have spirit, and now we have physical body. And it begins to grow and develop. And, and so the physical body is the part we see. And the physical reality of God is the part that we saw in the person of Jesus. Now, this is very important because we do need to understand that there are three baptisms in Scripture, and that's because God exists in three persons, the Trinity, and you and I are created in the image of God, and therefore, we exist in three parts because we're made in His image. Now, I know I've said this to you before, but I'm going to keep saying it because it's foundational to the doctrine of your identity in Christ. And it's also, actually, it's also foundational to the reality of how Jesus identifies with our every weakness. Because you see, Jesus in the flesh also is made in the image of God in the flesh. So he really does identify. He really does identify with you and I. Now, uh, the body is physical. We can see it. It begins to form. And eventually that body is grown enough to come out and raise terror in the earth in a good way. Right? All four of my kids did. Little terrorists at some point in their life. Sometimes even in the week, these weeks. But I love them and they're awesome and I wouldn't want to take anything away from them. 
Uh, but what about the third part? What about the third part of you and me? So we have a spirit and we have a body. Well, what else is there? Well, the Bible says you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, right? We see the spirit, we see the body, and then we see the soul. Now, specifically, what is the soul? The soul is the seat of our emotions, our reason, our cognitive abilities. That's the soul. And so this is also a miracle of God. At some point in time, the soul awakens in a human life. Now, it's a mystery. I don't know when it happens, but what we do know scientifically is that when there is a baby in the womb of its mother, its heart rate can go up and down based on soothing sounds mom makes. We know that in the horrific case of abortion, that fetuses, that babies feel and experience pain. There is awareness, and because there is awareness, we can be sure that there is a soul. Now, I hope I'm not going too fast here. This is very, very basic pastoral science. <laughs> Very basic. It's rudimentary at best, right? Uh, so, so we have a spirit. We can't get our head around that. God, God does that when he makes life. And we have a body that forms. And some, at some point we have it. Now, cognition also enters into this. And there are psychologists who say cognition in human beings doesn't take place till as late as five years old. That is absolute garbage. Because I have seen every one of my children some point after their first birthday openly and, re and realistically defy me. <laughs> and if you have children, you've seen it too, right? They're going to touch something they shouldn't. You say, don't touch that, Annika. And Annika, in our case, would look at us and give this silly little smile and do what she wanted to anyways. That's, that's cognitive. That's the, okay, the seed of reason is formed enough for them to weigh the options. Am I going to get a slap on the fingers? I'm not aware of electrocution, so that's not in my consideration at this point in time. So, yes, fork goes into the wall socket, right? Those kinds of things. You and I are made in the image of God, therefore we are made three parts. And I want to point this out to you, that if we are made in three parts, it's, it's insufficient if salvation only redeems one of our three parts. Come on, right? I mean, what good is it if God redeems by salvation your physical body but nothing else? Do you know how bad heaven would suck? If you, if you make it to heaven and your physical body is turned spiritual and preserved, but you absolutely hate Jesus, heaven will suck for you. Because heaven is all about the lordship of Jesus. <laughs> so it's insufficient if salvation stops at physical or even spiritual. This is bonus to you. I didn't say this in the first service. Think of this for a moment, how important it is that God in salvation re redeems your intellect as well. And I mean, that's a process because some of us are pretty stubborn and thick-headed. I'll, I'll say amen to myself on that for sure, even if you guys are, are, are too uppity to do it. I mean, <laughs> come on, you could all put your hands up for that. See, the work of salvation is complete in all three parts. I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, the old hymn, uh, It is well with my soul. My sin, not in part, but the whole of my sin is nailed to the cross. That's my outward sin, my iniquity, my sickness. All of these things are nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. So Jesus redeems us in all three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Somebody say amen. All right, that's established. Um, now, I say all this to make the point because three matters. Um, not in a way that should radically change your doctrine, but my hope is that 
the doctrinal understanding of three baptisms and the reality that you're made in three parts and God's image is three parts is that the awareness of that will actually radically change your relationship with him. Because when it says in Hebrews that we, we therefore don't, do not have a high priest who can't identify with our weakness, we need to understand that Jesus identifies with our weakness in all three parts of who we are. The, the, the stuff going on in your mind is not foreign to Jesus. He identifies with it. He knows it. He sympathizes with it. Okay? He, he understands. He commiserates with you in it. He knows, and he knows, and he knows. Um, and so I think that if we can have that insight that he identifies with us in all three parts, that he wants to baptize us in all three parts of our being, that he wants to do this amazing thing in our lives, that that, my friends, can radically change how well you know Jesus. And I think of, and we're going to do a series on this, uh, hopefully before the year is out, but on some of the fathers and mothers of faith who did amazing things in the last 200 years even. Because I think you, like me, we all sense right now that the Spirit of God is brooding and something is about to break in our nation and in our communities because there is a dislike for the things of God like we have not seen in this generation. And what I know to be true from history is that every time you try to suppress the gospel, it grows intensely. And so I think we're on the verge of exciting things. I really do. And I'm really, I, I can't, this is the best time to be alive as much as it kind of sucks. Okay. Um, so three baptisms works this way. There's number one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're talking about today. So I'm just going to give you this little preamble. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is where the Holy Spirit baptizes you and I in Jesus. This is the first thing that happens to you when you become a Christian, a Jesus follower. Um, now, you can't see that physically, but you can see the fruit of that act. And uh, I, I, I think it's a lot like the Dairy Queen dip cone. That's how I'm choosing to think about it. If you like dip cones at Dairy Queen, as a child, one of my favorite Dairy Queen treats, they take that cone and they dip it in the tank of chocolate. If you're normal, if you're a weird freak, they dip it in caramel. <laughs> Who wants a caramel dip cone? That makes no sense to me. No one. Oh my, we need to pray for some people here this morning. Okay. We, we love you and we accept you. We're so glad you're here. We pray that you find peace today. Um, it's like a dip cone and the Holy Spirit's job is to dip us in salvation. That's what he does. That's the first baptism. The Holy Spirit does the first baptism in our lives. And I'll establish that in just a moment. The second one we see is the baptism in water. Everyone say baptism in water. Now, baptism in water is done in obedience, so there, there is an act of your will. And why that's a sticking point doctrinally for us is because Jesus was baptized according to his will. In fact, so much so that John the Baptist said, I ain't going to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, 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 you have to baptize me to fulfill Scripture. So Jesus was baptized according to his will. And yes, I understand for the theologians among us, technically according to the Father's will. I, I understand. But nonetheless, water baptism needs to be according to our will. That's why I ask our kids and adults alike, did you make Jesus your boss? Yes, Jesus is my boss. Okay. All right, so we got water baptism. That one's easy because we can see it. And by the way, that's why Jesus was physically baptized in water, so we could see it so that we had his example to follow. Okay, and uh, that, that is, so, so water baptism is, is the physical baptism that we see, and what it is, is the physical body of Christ, the church, is baptizing you into the body of Christ. So it's symbolic of something that has already happened. 
If you baptize someone before they bent their will to Jesus, I'm not too sure what you're accomplishing. Because you can go to a hot tub and just enjoy your time there. Right? You can dive into a swimming pool. Can you imagine if that, how easy it would be is if all we had to do was go to the pool and everyone who jumped into the water became a Christian? Well, that's not how it works. Why? Because there's an act of your will that has to be a part of water baptism. Now, I've got to stop on this one. That does not necessarily negate some of you who may have been baptized as children and sprinkled or immersed, or whatever the tradition was. I'm not telling you that, that somehow you, you have to be rebaptized. but let me say this. You are not baptized if it has not been aligned with your will. Okay? And so I have friends who were baptized as children. That was their church's tradition. That's how they grew up. It's not how we see God's Word, so we don't do it that way. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not going to rebaptize them. Unless they want it, I guess. Uh, but as long as the will is aligned... That's where I see Scripture taking us, and, and until Jesus tells me something different, I'm, I'm happy there. I'm good, okay? Um, but it's the body of Christ baptizing a believer symbolically into the body of Christ. So it's all physical in nature. And then the third one is where Jesus baptizes you and I into the Holy Spirit. Very important for you to understand. Because that's the one that people argue over more than anything else. Because if you believe that Jesus baptizes people into the Holy Spirit, that makes you Pentecostal. And depending upon the tradition you grew up in, that may be good or it may be bad or it may just really make you confused. Listen, Jesus doesn't want to do anything to you that's going to hurt you. That's it. Don't worry about anything else. Jesus isn't going to do anything that's going to hurt you. And so if he wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit... Two Sundays from now, we're going to talk about that, and I hope that your heart is prepared by the Holy Spirit to receive everything Jesus has for you. Now, we're going to get to the rest of those in the, in the next two weeks. So, as I said before, set a, setting aside our, our previous speculations and thoughts, we go, I want you to read your Bible again for the first time. And these verses we're going to go through. Please, do it as if it's the first time, and you are an open book saying, Holy Spirit, you show me what you want to show me in this, Okay? Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being baptized by the Spirit, this would be salvation. So I'm going to give you a verse. Don't miss it. Please don't start rolling your eyes when I break down the, the grammar of it because grammar matters. Okay? If math, is math, if math is the language that God gave us to understand the universe, then, then words are the language God gave us to understand His Word. You see how dumb that is? But that's the simple truth of it. Okay? So his word matters, and it means what it says, and it says what it means according to itself. Right? God's word doesn't wait for my opinion to define itself. But if by my opinion I'm willing to look, I will go find where God explains himself in his word and brings context to what he said every single time. All right, so 1 Corinthians 12 says this. Verse 12 and 13. For even as the body is one, and yet many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Can we all agree that this is Bible? Thank you to my wife, the rest of you. um, I'd appreciate it if you joined me. Is this Bible? 
Okay, there. Thank you, church. This is Bible. So even, this is what it said. So even as the body is one body that has many members, it's still one body. Right? Okay? It's not, it's not confusing. It's not an exaggeration. It's not a lie. It's the reality. Even though the body of Christ has many bodies, it is still one body. But then it says this. So also is Christ. Now, I think that it's worthwhile to spend some devotional time on those four words, honestly. And that's the kind of thing, guys, where during the week you just say, okay, Holy Spirit, just show me what you mean. And then study and look up some words and use your concordance and use a commentary in your Bible and actually become a student of God's Word and discover what that might mean. But I'm going to help you a little bit. So if you struggle with uh, the revelation of the Trinity, then this is actually a good, word, word, a good, a good set of words for you. So also, it, so also is Christ denotes that there are members of who Christ is. Specifically, that we are members of who Christ is. Now, that doesn't make us Jesus, except for that the Bible tells us that we are Jesus to this world. We are his body. We're his hands. We're his feet. We have his mind. The Bible says, therefore, having the mind of Christ, so we have his mind even. We have been brought into who he is and are members with him in his body as he is. Now that's amazing, because let me tell you what, if you didn't know that was the truth and you walked in here this morning, your life just moved up like a million places on the charts. You showed up today a wretched, naked fool, and now you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's what that verse means. That's the power of that verse. Love it. Meditate on it. See if you can understand it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Um, and, and by the way, when, when Jesus talks about being one, it's, it's not like he only says it one time. In John 10, 20, Jesus claimed, saying, I and the Father are one. That really made people angry. In fact, the Bible says that immediately the Jews picked up stones to stone him to death for saying, I and the Father are one. Guys, I want to help you understand that Christianity following Jesus is not a religious system. What was here before Jesus was a religious system to show us that we had sin and needed a Savior. And so there are all the laws and all the rules. Jesus shows up. He sums up all the law and all the prophets in two commandments, which we can't do in and of ourselves. We need him to do it with us and for us and through us. The warm-up for the, the, warm the Grammar Olympics is understanding that we are many parts we are one body still, but so also is Christ. But now, here's the, here's the important one. And this, this is why it matters um, even how we say it. And as a leadership team in the church, we actually, we actually say it the wrong way all the time too. Because it's kind of all one and the same, I suppose, at this point. But this is what it says. Let me read it for you again. It says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or or free. So I want to comment, it doesn't matter where you come from, you're baptized into the body. But here's, here's the thing. What matters is who baptized you. And so let me ask you this morning, who baptized you into the body of Christ? 
Who baptizes you into salvation? Who is it? It's the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who baptized you. And it's frightening to me that we have people in this world, we have churches, leaders, people writing books even, who are saying things like, you don't need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was something God did in the past. When your very salvation actually hangs upon the Holy Spirit baptizing you into the reality of Jesus. Salvation is coming to you and I by the person of the Holy Spirit, through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible actually says in uh, the the book of Matthew or Mark, uh, I didn't add it to my notes, but it talks about this, that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. And how is it that the Father draws us to Jesus? Well, through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has always been God's active presence and member in the earth. And in the Old Testament, it was pretty cool. You would do all the things the law said, and once in a while, the Holy Spirit would show up and people would prophesy. Cool. We live in an age, though, where the Holy Spirit has been given to us, and therefore He is always present with us, and He is willing to move through us as He wills in any moment, circumstance, or situation we find ourselves in. He doesn't need to come upon us anymore because as we'll talk about in two weeks, He's been given to us and we have been immersed in Him. But the first step is this, that the Holy Spirit comes and immerses you in Jesus and that is what makes you saved. I thought Jesus in my heart made me saved. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit is the is the demolition crew that opens you up and puts, the whole, puts Jesus inside of you then. Salvation comes to us because of the Holy Spirit. This doctrine of salvation can be misunderstood because sometimes I think we ignore the Holy Spirit. And I think the church has had a long history now and a long habit of ignoring the person of the Trinity who, guys, I mean, even in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. And in the Hebrew, it, it, it denotes that the words used for he hovered, he was, he was intently waiting to act. See, we have to let the whole counsel of God's Word inform our theology because it's what develops the richness and the understanding of what God wants to say to us. And when we cut parts of it out, when we close our ears to it, when we silence it, um, it, it, it's not really sticking in my craw in a bad way, but but recently uh, some comment came back to me from someone else at another church that, oh yeah, over at Generations Church, they're kind of preaching a watered-down word. <laughs> I thought, wow, I never thought of that that way before in our church. But this is, this is what I, my, my response to that thought. The only water that's in the word here is the stuff people put in it. That's it. You come to my house, if I make you a cup of coffee, I can tell you it'll be strong. And you can water it down if you want. Or you can just drink it down because strong coffee is good for you. Well, not really, but maybe it is. And it's the same thing in our church, guys. The Spirit of God is not leading people in this church. He's not leading our leadership team to give you something that's diluted. 
And so I want to, in humility, as someone who loves you, I want to just say, guys, if there's water in your gospel, it's probably because you put it in there. And that's why the exercise this morning of set all of your doctrine and your pretenses aside and read God's word again for the first time. Understand that we, as we grow, as we change, we will discover in the natural progression of walking out a relationship with Jesus that we misunderstood an awful lot about him. And the good news for you and I is because of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to stay that way. But we can move from glory to glory, from revelation to revelation, from discovery to discovery in his word. And in that process, we will find richness and life and happiness and wholeness and triumph over suffering and defeat. Guys, it's so rich, it's so good, it's so real. And as we talk about it over the next few weeks, I'm excited to see how far you are willing to go, how far I'm willing to go into the goodness of what God has for us, for the richness. When I talk about the richness of God, I'm reminded how Job asked the question of God, have you seen, have you seen the storehouses of heaven? The imagery of God storing up snow as if in a giant vault to pour it out over the earth. Lightning and thunder and the majesty we see all around us. That God is, God is able to dispense that out of who he is at any time. Oh man, if we would let the Holy Spirit walk us through the word, how much further would we be? Guys, it started with this. The moment you became a Christian, the moment you said, I will follow Jesus, you need to know that was the Holy Spirit. No other. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. Is God Jesus? Yes. Is God the Father? Yes. Is God the Holy Spirit? Yes. And it's okay if that gets confusing for you because it's hard for you to understand the, inter, the, the intertwining of yourself and why does one part of me war against another side? God, it's how you're made. And it's okay. Because Jesus' plan is to redeem all three parts of you. He addressed all three parts of our need, our body, our soul, our spirit, in the cross. I want to close with this thought because it was really enjoyable for me this morning. I was finishing up my message. Amy came down, gave me a kiss good morning. I was probably on my third cup of coffee by then. Um... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, it occurred to me that the beauty of salvation is that we are grafted into Jesus. Right? Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches apart from me. You can... How did we become a part of the vine? Well, we were grafted to it by a spirit of adoption. We cry, Abba, Father, uh, the, the process of salvation. We are grafted to Christ. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But, but here, here's the neat thing. Um, when we're grafted to him, we receive life from the tree, from the vine. And that life flows through us. Guys, it is, when this song we sang this morning, there is resurrection power in my veins too. That's because of a grafting. We are grafted into him. The body of Christ, it said, Jesus is one but has many members. That's the grafting. That's salvation. But, but I love the fact that that as a branch grafted to the sun, I also have purpose and a job. What is my purpose as a branch? Well, it's to produce leaves and to produce fruit. And that leaf and that fruit actually benefits the vine. 
Guys, it's an amazing and a wonderful thing, the concept of salvation, and that we are grafted to the side of Jesus. That we are placed, we are placed there with Him to grow because of Him, but also to return to Him what He deserves. It's an amazing thing to me. And then I got to thinking on the next step. How amazing is it that God grafted us into Jesus after the cross? Can you imagine if God's plan, and I want you to, imagine this morning, if God's plan as we approach Easter was that you and I had to be grafted into Jesus before the cross. What would that mean for you and I? It would mean that we would literally be attached to him as he endured the cross. Guys, I'm telling you, I was so excited this morning. Is that I just never seen it that way before. I never thought about it in that term. I feel so blessed this morning. I feel so much gratitude in my heart this morning that God saw fit to graft me well after Jesus endured the cross. And that the suffering that I endure now grafted into him is really just an echo of something that happened to a perfect man 2,000 years ago. Guys, our pain, our frustration, our struggling, it's an echo because we live in a fallen world. It's no more than that. It's an echo. I hope you'll think on this this week. Maybe, maybe instead of listening to three or four podcasts, you might consider studying what we talked about this morning. Just saying. It's not, it's not going to make my life any better or worse if you do it. Actually, it could make my life better. If we multiplied leaders at a much higher rate, man, we could... We could take a lot more of our city, could, could we not? Okay, so maybe it is for my benefit that I ask you to do that. But that's okay with me. I want to pray for you this morning. But before I do that, you might be sitting here and realize today that you are not grafted in to the vine. That the Holy Spirit has not dipped you in the chocolate fountain of salvation. Forgive the metaphor, but it's just it's what I have to work with. You want to be a dip cone for Jesus today? <laughs> you bend your will to Jesus, you become his follower. But I need you to understand that's the process of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who will come and baptize you in Jesus so that you can start a new life in Christ. And we can do that with you right here this morning. Right here at the front of this church or at the side by the wall where if you need to wave your hand someone will come to your chair to talk with you and pray with you. For the rest of us who hopefully have all been dipped in chocolatey heavenly salvation we have the opportunity to walk with newness of life again today. We, we have the opportunity to move into new potential in Jesus as we understand his heart for us more and more. And so I want to pray for us today. And, um, and then we're going to dismiss and go about our week and come back together. And Why don't we stand? I like praying for you better standing, I've discovered. So Jesus, I thank you this morning for every single person standing in this room. And Lord, I thank you that we have 
had the chance to meet you and learn to know you. But Lord, I just pray that we would not be satisfied with that much. God, that today by your spirit, you would stir up in us a fresh hunger, a fresh desire, a fresh need to find out who you are, to discover your heart in new ways. Lord, to discover our purpose in you in a new way today. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that you have baptized us in Jesus and brought us into relationship with him, with our Heavenly Father. But Lord, we're just not satisfied with that either. And so Holy Spirit, we're asking you for more. God, would you come today as we stand in your presence and raise our expectation? Lord, would you, would you cause us to see the increased potential that you have for our lives, whether we're three years old or 85 years old in this place. And Lord, I pray for our church as we talk through these topics and scriptures over the next couple of weeks, that you, Holy Spirit, would begin to prepare our hearts for what you have in store for this part of God's body in this part of the world in this present day. So, Lord, we receive everything you have for us, your goodness, your grace, your peace, your mercy, your salvation, your hope. We receive it all, Jesus, and we, we drink it in this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.